Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Touchdown at 10, we talk football, and interesting one year later how a situation at the quarterback position plays out. A year ago, seemingly everybody in the league thought for sure, no doubt, 100%, the Indianapolis Colts were going to cut Carson Wentz. Just as this past week, there was some, some mild drama. We tried to create some some drama with the report about the Saints being involved in interest for Derek Carr. Well, that was quickly nipped in the bud because of the impending deadline that the Raiders faced having to do something with Carr by February the 15th. And teams knew that. And in this case, unlike Washington last year, who wanted to make sure that They got a guy. So they traded for Wentz by giving up assets, guaranteeing that he had to report to your club or not play at all. And you knew at that point Carson Wentz was definitely going to report to Washington. So Washington was able to guarantee getting their guy. Now that's not to say say that Derek Carr can't go out now and – negotiate with the Saints. Remember, Dennis Allen, of course, was there at the Raiders when Carr, uh, you know, came aboard. So that's not to say they can't now go out and negotiate, you know, a different deal. But now Derek Carr has the pick of the litter. Derek Carr's agent can go to the Jets and say, hey, my client's available. He can go to the Saints and say, hey, my client is available. He can go to Carolina and say, my client's available. Tampa, hey, my client, my client's ready to come play for you. You know, what kind of offer do you have on the table? So this was well played, certainly by Carr, who had all the leverage in this situation for the most part. Not completely, because, I mean, the Raiders, uh, you know, in fact, I mean, with the no-trade clause, I mean, he he really had all the leverage uh, in this situation. So the club had virtually none. So, sure, they tried to engage the Saints in in, in some trade talks so they could try and get something. But this is, this is well done by Derek Carr's agent. And this is why you see the savvy agent and player make sure that they get stone-cold, no-trade clause in their contract. So if this situation arises, and it does in the NFL all the time, why? Because of the, the, the very few guaranteed contracts. The, the contract for Deshaun Watson is not going to become – I mean, you're already seeing – seeing owners fight this. You're seeing Baltimore fight it with Lamar Jackson. Just because Cleveland made a mistake, the other 31 teams in the league aren't going to make that mistake. Okay? Denver, in theory, makes a mistake, but it's not a $240 million mistake like Cleveland uh, potentially made if Watson doesn't turn it around. You know, Wilson was not very good this year. They're on the hook for a buck fifty. That's still a pretty good chunk of change, but it's not two forty. So 
the the situation a year ago, Washington forcing its way to give up assets to make sure that guy had to report to their team, whereas Carr this year had the ultimate trump card. And, and sure, you know, players in the case of, like, Lamar Jackson right now, the Ravens can hit, hit him with that franchise tag. Washington can hit the Ron Payne with that franchise tag. And certainly the player in that situation loses out. But does he really? I mean, Deron Payne, if Washington franchises him, is still going to be uh, almost $19 million. So it's not like Deron Payne's going to be poor uh, with a contract this year. I mean, it's still a pretty significant amount of cash. What it does is it, it, it waits one more year for a potential long-term deal, long-term security uh, for Deron at that position. So that's still an element in play here in the offseason for Washington, but we know what quarterbacks are. Quarterbacks are different. There are a lot of you that, uh, as we talked about potential upgrades at the position, there are some of you that, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a 60-40, 65-35. You'd rather Hal over Carr if you were Washington. Now, if I'm Derek Carr, I try to call Washington. You know why? Because I'm trying to keep my career going, and I see Terry McLaurin, I see Jahan Dotson, I see Curtis Samuel, I see Deami Brown, I see Cam Sims, I see multiple running backs who can play. You can bet Derek Carr has probably said to his agent, hey, we got to investigate that because those guys can make me look really good. Those guys can make me look really good. And even if it's a one-year deal, if Carr looks great, that that's that is potentially – one last three- or four-year contract for him going into next offseason. So if I'm his agent, I definitely call Washington. I try to engage Washington in a discussion. Say, hey, you really want to turn that quarterback job over uh, to, to to a youngster, you know, right away, play, you know, play one game for you? You really want to do that yet? So, I mean, if I'm Derek Carr, I definitely look there. I, I look at Tampa, obviously, because Evans and, and Chris Godwin, uh, by far, I mean, I, I certainly go there and do some things. You know, their their offensive line needs to be repaired. They had injury last year uh, quite a bit, and that certainly. But Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady still threw, you know, 351 in a game. I mean, so uh, there's potential there. So Derek Carr, maybe even more so than Aaron Rodgers. And remember, everybody wants the Jets to get involved with the Aaron Rodgers deal. Well, if that's the case, the Jets got to move a lot of people. The Jets got to make a lot of, lot of room on the cap for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. This is why Derek Carr makes even more sense for them at this point. And ironically, it certainly appears Rodgers to the Raiders is the preferred destination of the quarterback. Certainly he'd crank up Peaches and Herb, reunited, and it feels so good if he ends up back with the Raiders with Devontae Adams. And as you look at the rest of that market, there are still going to be some teams that are – quarterback hungry here in this offseason people remarking about the quality of the staff frank reich has put together in a short amount of time there in carolina that's great who's throwing the football i mean you do do you really believe what you saw from sam darnold in the latter half of the season there at the end was salvageable if you're frank reich i mean i don't know i mean this would be another you know attempt at reclamation for a guy that his freshman year at usc had the world abuzz he would have been like a top three or four pick his freshman year coming out of USC, it was so good. Still ended up being a, a top pick, even though as he gradually went along at USC, the game wasn't as good as I thought it was in his first season there. So 
that is still the most important position in professional sports. It's still the one position that continues to elude this organization. And now you have a chance to commit at least to a youngster, just like you did in 2012 with Robert Griffin III. Certainly the draft capital, not the same that you gave up for Robert. I mean, Sam Howe fell into your lap in the fifth round. I mean, that's a gift, potentially a gift. I can't say it's a gift yet because he might come out here and suck. But I think those of us that certainly watched him at the college level know the quality of the arm. We know the quality of the intangibles that the guy showed. Hey, his final season at North Carolina, he could have just played it safe. He could have played it safe. He didn't have to run as much as he did. He, he did whatever he could to get his team to 6-6. Six and six. It, it, He sold out. I, I love that. I love that from a competitive standpoint. Give me a guy that's willing to sell, sell out for team. He's looking at team glory. He's looking at what, what matters. Win. Got to win, win, win no matter what, right? And, and that's what Sam Howe was willing to do there in North Carolina. So do you, you're, you're going to obviously have a lot of money to spend when you, when you make it official, releasing Wentz. Do you turn that into offensive line help and free agency, linebacker help and free agency? Of course we all want them to, hey, go get Tremaine Edmonds. Well, guess what? There's going to be a lot of other teams that want him too. Okay? There's going to be a lot of other teams that want him too. Now, in terms of the draft, it's really important, you know, as we as we view what needs Washington has. And I started doing that this week. And when you think about what Washington needs most notably, if they don't answer the need in free agency, then clearly, to me, linebacker and offensive line have to be the two most important things. Because the defense is right there. The defense is right there. The defense is one more piece away from, in my opinion, being a a top-five defense. Having a dog in the middle of that defense, especially in this division, okay, the teams you're going to see the most, you have a mobile quarterback in Jones. You have a great running back in Barkley. You have a mobile quarterback in Hurts. You have a great running game in Philadelphia. You have a mobile quarterback in Prescott, not quite as willing a runner anymore as Hertz and Jones are, but still a guy that on third and four is willing to run for five and break your heart and keep your defense on the field. And, of course, their free agent in Dallas, Tony Pollard, is, is, is strong at that position. So you have to have a dog in the middle on this defense. And can you can you get that in free agency? I'm not so sure. That means you got to look at the draft and a guy like Trenton Simpson. You're a guy that is likely, I think, likely to be there if they stay put where they are at 16. You have to have a guy that can run at that position. You have to have a guy that can hit Jones or Hurts in the sternum and make them think twice about coming in your direction. To me, that is ultimately the last remaining piece to this defense necessary. Can you win with Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Juiced as your lead guys on the outside? You can. Can you get an upgrade out there? Sure. People don't realize this. Just because you get recruited as a freshman 
they're always trying to recruit over top of you with another great player. Same thing in the NFL. We're going to take the best players available. We're always going to try and find the best player. If we're sitting there and there's a guy that his value, like Sam Howell in the fifth round, is there, obviously you're going to take that player. But regardless of whether he had Wentz and Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell doesn't belong there in the fifth round. You're going to take him in that situation. And, and I think that's where Washington is. Do you consider a Joey Porter Jr.? You know, the the, the, Gonzalez, uh, the kid at Oregon, do you, do you go after him at, at corner? Yeah, you might have to think about that because those guys can also be good football players for you. They can be difference-making football players. And I think that's the other thing, too. You want People, people look at Jahan Dotson being picked at 16. Do you not think Jahan Dotson is going to be a difference-making football player for this Washington team? Well, the, you know, a lot of people had him slated at 41 and things that day. Hey, Jahan Dotson made a difference for this football team this past season. So the value to the player is only where the team themselves value the player. And, and that looks like a great pick uh, for Ron in the club right now. Because Jahan Dotson looks like a difference-making football player. How does he get better, though? Circles right back to the most important position at the quarterback. How does the quarterback get better? Offensive line. So in the offensive line, do you do you do you hope somehow a Peter Skaronsky falls down the draft board? If he's still there a couple of picks ahead of you, do you try to move up the draft board and, and get a kid like him and put him in an offensive tackle? Certainly a possibility. You know my thoughts on you know John Michael Schmitz at Minnesota. Jarrett Patterson is a guy that played at Notre Dame and when healthy is an excellent opportunity at guard or center for any NFL team and a guy that seems to be rising stock rising again for the player. But your concern is the injury history. But again, that's a guy day one can step right in, start for you at, at either position. And we know that the group needs a, a significant upgrade on the interior there. You want to get younger? You want to have a guy that's going to be with you uh, for three or four years here? And, and look, if Chase Roulier can somehow come back again and be healthy, that's fantastic. But the last two years have shown us that's not necessarily the case. You can't plan on that anymore. So you get a guy like a Patterson, you the center at Ohio State, I mean, there's there's three or four really good interior options, again, that you might even be able to trade down a couple of spots if you pick up an extra pick, if, if you want to go that route. There are terrific options, I think, on the board for this Washington team if they don't get these needs answered via free agency. And when you have capital to spend, you don't want to waste it. You don't want to waste it on risks. You want to, you want to be able to shore this thing up because, again, Ron – is going to tell you coming into this season, this team is this close. We're right there. You know, we won eight games this year, but, you know, we could have easily won 10 or 11. So that, to me, is the key now and where the focus needs to be for Ron until they tell him he's not the coach or the general manager if a new owner indeed is willing to do that. Remember, Dan Jettison Norv in the middle of a season – Jerry fired Tom Landry literally, almost literally the moment they took over uh, as owners down there in Dallas. So, I mean, I think until they tell Ron he's not in it, that's where his focus has to be now. Certainly he's got to hire the offensive coordinator and go from there.
But to me, that is ultimately what the key to this offseason is for Washington. We're literally a month away from, you know, the legal tampering period that can start, and then you get into free agent signings. And to me, that's that's the key area as I see it, as you see it. Is it let, – let's get away from quarterback. We know what quarterback is, okay? Do you believe that they are a middle linebacker away from having a top five defense, or are there bigger holes – on that defense, maybe are we overvaluing the talent that they have on that side of the ball? And a lot of this certainly pens whether they uh, bring back Deron Payne or do they feel the combination of Fildarian Mathis and John Ridgeway can fill that gap at that position opposite Jonathan Allen. I mean, do you even think that that's an option on the table here if they choose not to franchise Deron Payne and negotiate a, a longer-term deal with the defensive tackle who was spectacular this past season. What's the biggest hole? What's the biggest area of need in your mind as you observe it besides the quarterback? The quarterback is the obvious. But where is the biggest need? Who are we overvaluing on this roster that needs to be replaced as well? 301 230 Give it some thought. Let's talk about it now right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. If you missed anything in the first hour... Talked about the Wizards' big win in Portland. Bradley Beal with the big throwdown that shut it down on Portland last night. Talked to Charlie Slows at 920. If you missed any of the baseball discussion, go back on the Odyssey app. Hit rewind. Matty will have it up on the podcast as well. Good baseball discussion about the new rules, some of the new faces for the Nationals coming up. First spring training game a week from Saturday. How about that, baseball fans? Can't wait for another season of Nationals baseball working with Charlie and Dave on our sister station. 1067 the fam touchdown at 10 topic certainly talking about we know the quarterback is the obvious we know we think we know what the biggest needs are is there a player or a position we are overvaluing that we're not talking about that Washington needs to really examine further in either free agency or the draft coming up I talked about offensive line and linebacker two obvious places This is a draft that's great at corner. Do you look to upgrade there and have another great body in the secondary? A lot of young players in that secondary right now. Do you take another one because they're a good football player? Let's talk about it now. Give it some good thought. 301-230-0980. All of those topics on the table. Start things off with our man Mark in Landover Hills. Top of the morning to you, Mark. How are you? Top of the morning to you, Pedro. And top of the morning to the absent, absent rooster man. Hey, Pete, I wanted to touch on all those subjects, my man. And first, let's start off with 
I think Wes might have heard us the other day, even though they lost those games after we first talked about it, you and I and the Rooster. Man, if they can get a little bit more of that dunk action, like you said, Pete, you're spot on there. Man, they can make it happen. Let's 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 see them keep going in the right direction. And man, Pete, I could not agree with you more. And I know you're a baseball guy, and I am too deep down with these rules changes and what you said. It made me laugh when you were talking about it. With them telling these teams where they can set the players on defense. That is absolutely the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. What do you think they would have said back in the days of the Splendid Splinter if they'd have done that? <laughs> I mean, look, not only that, but we got bigger bases. I understand the precipice behind the, the bigger bases, um, but... You know, to me, if you want to do what softball does and have a safety bag at first base, so uh, let's face it, the runner at times doesn't have a full base to put his foot down on. Uh, You know, I don't care if we're playing when the conditions are wet, that base can be a a safety base. It can be, you know, that thing can be the size of a beach ball if you want. I don't care. The possibility of a player slipping on the field at any time exists, whether it's wet, dry, whatever. Look at how the players were slipping in the Super Bowl the other night. Okay, players can slip on the field. Injuries, in many cases, are bad luck. Um, so you know, we we go we're, we're we're going to bigger bases. We I still don't like the ghost runner at second base. I understand why they're doing it. Um, I thought somebody brought up a great compromise on Twitter the other day. If you want to do that when we get to the twelfth inning. You know, hey, at least in hockey, we still play some semblance of hockey, um, you know, to try and decide a game in overtime. Uh, We take players off the ice. We shorten it up, but we're still playing hockey before we get to the shootout. So if you want to put that ghost runner out there, Mark, in the 12th inning, then maybe (laughs) I'm a little more, more, uh, you know, responsive to that. But I, I still want... In any sport, I want baseball to decide baseball. I, I want, you know, I, I at least get hockey in their overtime to play some form of hockey, even with, uh, you know, the, the amount of players that are on the on the ice at that time. I agree, Pete. I agree with what you said. I just think they might be heading a little bit in the wrong direction, but I think the correction will come because when the season starts and they integrate all that stuff, it's going to show up quick, Pete, I think, like you were hitting at. The other thing that you were talking about on touchdown at 10 was, man, who they need. I, I, I'll tell you, Pete, I, it just makes me think about that guy from A&I, our good friend, Mr. Daryl Green. I think they need him, but, Pete, I'm glad to hear you say offensive line, man. That's what's killed him. That's what's killed him the last, even during Snidely Whiplash's regime. Man, they need the Hogs, Pete. They need it. It's so evident. Looking to look at the playoffs. I mean, it showed up in the playoff with the teams, and man, how important the trenches were. I mean, look what Spags did with what he had. That's why they won the Super Bowl. Man, yep. they control the, the trenches. Yep, no doubt them, about it. Let no, you go, buddy. Appreciate call, it, Mark. Th- thanks, pal. And, and look, no doubt about it. Two teams in the Super Bowl that had excellent, excellent offensive lines. You, you just—it's rare to get there without excellence in those positions. Both teams had excellence in the offensive line. Let's go to Silver Spring and talk to Eddie. What's up, Eddie? Hey, good morning, man. Thanks for taking my call, brother. Um, 
I've been calling in for years and years and years, you know, raised a Redskins fan with the Hogs, and it's just it's all about that offensive line. Last caller, and you've been talking about it. I mean, that, that you know, Super Bowl, man, was the two best offensive lines, in my opinion, in the game. And, you know, it's all about offense scoring points. If you can't score 30 points these days, you don't have a real good shot at winning every game. So I just want to see more depth feet on there. I want to spend our draft picks on offense and defensive linemen. You know, I really don't like paying these guys huge contracts. And so unless it's an Allen, your top five in your position, hey, man, you got to go. We're going to psych you in with, on rookie contracts. Um, so the, the last thing I want to say, man, is, is Heineke's got to go, man. I mean, I don't want to have this quarterback controversy. You know, he's a good guy. He's a good soldier. He did good for us. But he can't make make the throws. I just don't want this, con- this, this you know, unstop guys calling. You know, we need to do Heineke. We need to put Heineke in. We're all with a different quarterback and just go with it. Uh, whether it's a rookie or, um, or or what have you, but Heineke's got to go, and we need a center, man. I mean, we've gone through like you know five different centers. We need depth, depth, depth. That's all I got to say, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you, Eddie. Thanks for the call. Look, it's a fabulous, you know, it's a fabulous topic. He's been a folk hero here. Clearly, clearly, if you want to hang on him as a backup quarterback, he would be a fantastic option. In that regard, 100%. Great fan, great, great backup quarterback. At any point, does it become a distraction like a lot of backup quarterbacks can? You know, because he's he's more he's as much folk hero as he is player. Okay, his story is fantastic. And he certainly played his way back into, at minimum, being a long-term backup in the league. He should have at minimum, a million or $2 million salary as a backup quarterback in the league. Can you win a game with him as a starter if you have to in a pinch? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can still, you can still win a game. If your, season, if your season is going well, can he be a perfect patch for you for a couple of weeks? Absolutely. I think he's definitely earned that. But in a situation here with the way he is revered by a section of the franchise – with Sabah, of course, being the president of the Taylor Heineke fan club. There's nothing wrong with being the president of a player's fan club. You like that player, he entertains you, fine, that's great. Doesn't matter what the sport, you know. Um, but is that a, would that be a distraction? I think that's where Eddie is kind of leaning there is, is anytime Sam Howe throws a bad pass or has a bad quarter, bad half, fans start chanting, Heineke. Heineke, is that more a deterrent and a distraction than it is anything? Because I don't think anybody in Kansas City ever tra- uh, ch- chants Chad Henney, Chad Henney. No, we don't. We don't hear that there. No, well, we don't. We don't. We don't get that. Uh, Chad Henney, by the way, uh, looks like he's retiring. Uh, Taylor Heineke, maybe he's a fit out there. You never know. Maybe he's a fit out there uh, with, with with that club. Maybe Kansas City looks into him. You got a guy like Shane Bouchelle out there already, played uh, at SMU, played in the American, started his college career at uh, Texas. You know, maybe he bumps up into the, the full-time backup position there uh, to Patrick Mahomes. But there's going to be some opportunity for Taylor Heineke uh, around the league. And it may come it may come with a bigger salary uh, than playing as the backup here in Washington. And I don't think there's many people that would root against Taylor Heineke uh, no matter where he ends up this season in the National Football League, because that dude's a good guy. There is nothing, there is nothing not to like about Taylor Heineke from a personal standpoint. That guy, you know, 
handled benching at the beginning of the season as well as you can handle it. And then obviously when his opportunity came, he did his best to try and get this team, uh, you know, as many wins as possible. Let's go to New Jersey and our man Mitch. What's up, Mitch? How's it going, Pete? What's Good, up? Good, man. Hey, um, where we're picking, I know B. John Robinson, I hear a lot of good things about him. But definitely, there are three good tight ends. I mean, I like Logan Thomas, but Maya Kincaid especially, and I believe there's other guys from Oregon State, Musgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be a good move? I mean, that really is a solid offense, and I'm hoping Howell does well, Sam Howell. I am as well. Mitch, appreciate the call. Let's first take the tight end portion of it. Here's the question you have to ask yourself about the tight end position right now here in Washington. Okay? Cole Turner went into training camp last year. There's a lot of enthusiasm for him. All we saw Cole Turner doing in the late part of the season was going in motion and blocking. That's the last thing I thought we'd be watching Cole Turner uh, do at that point in the season. But if that was what we were watching him do – it's a tip of the cap to Juan Castillo because that was clearly the hole in Cole Turner's game. He just was never asked to do that at Nevada when he's out there catching a gazillion passes from Carson Strong. Okay? So the fact that they felt good enough to use him, now granted, he was one of the few healthy guys at that point in the season too, so they really didn't have much of a choice. But you have Bates, you have Turner, and, you know, you got Armani Rogers as well, who I thought when healthy looked the part, certainly looks like a guy worth keeping on your team. Now, it's clearly a decision to be made on Logan Thomas. Is that worth a first-round pick in that situation? And if it is, Mayer certainly, I like Dalton Kincaid uh, from Utah. There were some injury, uh, there were some injury issues at times there. But when that dude is on the field, man, he is a machine. He was terrific at Utah uh, playing with Cam Rising out there uh, at Utah. Do I believe Kincaid's a first-round pick? Probably not. I think he's a second-day guy. Uh, Mayer is the slam-dunk first-day guy, uh, at least in my opinion. I'm just not sure if this team is in position, if they stay at 16, to use a choice on a tight end when I just believe there will be other football players there uh, that could help them more uh, in that situation. Just my opinion uh, from that standpoint. Jeff's in Vienna. What's up, Jeff? We'll put Jeff back on hold. Hey, Pete, what's going on? I was on mute again. Oh, that's okay. I was on mute again. No problem. um, Man, your talk about that area around the stadium before the stadium was there brought back some serious memories. Um, it, the last time I drove across the 11th Street Bridge, I think uh, Barry Farms is almost all gone, if I'm not mistaken. The basketball court is still there. The rest of it uh, hey, appears. I mean, I drive by it every day. I literally come right by it there on the Suitland Parkway. The basketball courts are there. Not much else behind it, that's for sure. It, it's funny. Naki has told me some unbelievable stories about going down there to play pickup. <laughs> So it, it shows you how good Chris was in high school. Um, but I, I think, you know, I know you can't comment on it one way or the other. I just thought the over-under number on Nats wins this year was kind of interesting. And um, what what is going to be the penalty for violating the shift rule? I didn't hear that yesterday. 
I've not watched that video in full. Um, I, I watched it uh, on my phone while I was sitting there doing the races uh, last night. I believe it was up at MLB.com. In fact, I had it up earlier um, when I was talking to Charlie. But if you go to MLB.com, yeah, if you go to MLB.com, that video was up there um, that they did out in Arizona yesterday that Charlie uh, was talking about. And yeah. I, I mean, again, I'll be, I'll be fascinated. The shift restrictions basically is this. Um, you know, as the pitch is thrown, the defensive team must have a minimum of four players within the outer boundary of the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side. And yeah. let's see. It can't be circumvented, they said. And I'm trying to find Maybe an the, automatic ball. Yeah, maybe an automatic ball or something All right, like here's that. the thing. First of all, violations can be declined. This is like football. Violations can be defined <laughs> – by the offensive team. Uh, What happens if a pitch and play go off even though a violation of the shift rule has been called by the umpire? The answer is that, as in football, when teams can decline a penalty, the offensive team can advise the home plate umpire to decline the penalty and accept uh, the result of the play. So Okay, okay. Well, it'll be a fun spring training. I don't like the ghost runner thing. I don't really care about the size of the bases, but never forget about Bryce hyperextending his knee on that wet first base one night. Either. Yeah, but but Rob, and, Jeff, Jeff, isn't isn't the base still wet, whether it's eighteen inches or fifteen oh, inches? And with with wet cleats going across the top of it too, absolutely. Yeah. And um, to the the previous caller on the tight ends. Um, the big kid Anderson out of Georgia is going to be a hell of a project. He's so raw, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But if the right team, if the right team gets him in two or three years, the guy could be somewhat dominant, I think. Yeah, but and, and unfortunately for a team like Washington, they're just not in a position, in my opinion, yeah. to make a project pick in, in that regard. I mean, I'm with you. And obviously Bowers, for those of you wondering about the other Georgia tight end, Brock Bowers is not draft eligible yet. So he goes back to Georgia uh, for yet another season uh, down there. Which yeah, he'll be, you know. I, I get to see my daughter this weekend for daddy-daughter weekend. Can't wait to get down there. Enjoy it, my friend. Certainly going to be warming Have up down there. Have a great day. You too. Jeff, appreciate a- the call. 301-230-0980. Good. Look, it, it's the tight end position, because because of what we've seen with Kelsey, even look how Dallas Goddard played in the Super Bowl. Look at Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys, even though he had a couple of bonehead moments in, in the playoff game. Okay? You know, we, we've seen when, when they get the right person, we've seen kind of, you know, because of guys like Gronk, you know, I don't want to say we've seen a total rebirth because some teams aren't emphasizing the tight end like they are, like those teams are. But we are seeing people and we're seeing colleges take that position now and put that guy, yeah, he might run a 4-5-40, but he's a bigger target and still gives you a physical mismatch against, you know, defensive players. And we talked about that with Jay on Monday. And, and 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 just saying, look, you know, Jay, everybody in the building knows Travis Kelsey's the first target, the primary target on almost every route, yet he gets wide open every time. And it's because of those physical traits that he has. 
And, you know, Jay talked about, you know, Jordan Reed, who they had, and they made great use of uh, until the injuries uh, started to slow his career down. Jordan Reed was Jordan Reed was going was a guy that put up those types of numbers, had that kind of dominant ability at that position, which is why you were brokenhearted for him because that dude was that dude was on a Hall of Fame type trajectory at that position because of the physical gifts that he had and the things that he could do. And then the concussion monster and other injuries short-circuited his career. He was a ridiculously talented player. And we'd be talking about him in the same regards, doing those same things at that position. And if you can get that guy, then you know, that then you, you certainly look to utilize him. But just because just because you you know you have tight ends that are available doesn't mean you you run out and you grab them in the first round. I mean, I'm even I know Mayer's gonna be a good player in the right offense. But I'm not a guy that said, oh, I gotta go get Michael Mayer in the first round. I just I don't I don't know if he's that type of player. He's really, really good. He's really, really good. Is he elite? You know, we could scouts can have that debate. We can look at the film and we can have that debate because whether he's elite or not, you know, is responsible for the system that he plays in when he gets to the next level. 301-230-0980. Is there a position that we are overvaluing in terms of the talent that are here? We know the obvious. we got to improve offensive line and you got to improve linebacker. Is there another area that we are overvaluing that needs to be examined in free agency and or the draft if an upgrade presents itself? 301-230-0980. Let's take a look at what's trending. All right, last night, the Wizards, late night in Portland right here on the Team 980. They get it done back at Kyle Kuzma's 33. Thunderous dunk from Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter as Portland was making a big run at the Wizards after being down 23. Washington restores order, pulls away for a 126-101 victory on the evening. The Raiders indeed do release Derek Carr, faced with a February 15th deadline. Carr turning down any and all trade opportunities. The Raiders had no choice to either keep him or release him. They chose to release him. They will basically start over at the quarterback position, looking at other options. Of course, Aaron Rodgers remains the long-rumored guy, potentially heading out to Las Vegas. Capitals really gave a great try last night in the absence of their star player, Alexander Ovechkin, away from the team. Uh, for an undetermined period of time as of right now, as uh, he did not play last night dealing uh, with the uh, death of his father. And all of our thoughts and prayers are with Alex and his family. Washington loses a tough one to Carolina last night by a count of 3-2. to two. That's what's happening on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Thoughts and prayers with Alexander Ovechkin, his family, and the Capitals family. But no doubt, upon his return, will rally around and comfort their star player. Alex's father passing away and certainly stepping away from the team to be with his family uh, at this time. It's a heck of an effort from the Capitals last night. Under the circumstances, good to see Joe Snively get uh, in the scoring column and a, a controversial you know, overturn of the T.J. Oshie goal. And, again, it's one of those things where we weigh 
you know, did was Oshie's location and where he was and what he did, did it prevent the goalie from – the goalie had no – Anderson was not getting back up uh, in that situation because two of his own players are there. There's no way he's getting back up to his feet uh, to, to stop the shot by, you know, Van Riemsdyk in that situation. It, 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 if it stays up as a goal, you can, you can certainly support that if you're the NHL. Uh, in that situation, and again, by letter of the law, was where Oshie was and what he did. Does it meet the? Does it meet the rule of goalie interference? Uh, yes, technically, by letter of the law, it does. That left hand kind of—I don't want to say shoving the goalie. That—that's too because uh, that's too strong of of a move from what he did. Uh, but did it technically affect the goalie? Yes. Did it have anything to do with the play and the goal being scored? Probably not. And that's where that gray area comes in in a situation like that. I think goalie interference is one of the most difficult things to adjudicate uh, in the National Hockey League. And and what that play itself last night uh, in itself was a very, very tough call against Washington. Are we overvaluing a spot on this team? You know, we talk about offensive line, linebacker. Quarterback is obvious. We know that. Okay, we're taking that one out of the discussion. But is there, is there a position that we're overvaluing that as we start to uh, look at free agency? And then you really, you really you, you hone in on good players for the draft, but you don't really know what your specific needs are going to be until you get through that really first wave of free agency where you try your very best to – Take care of your biggest needs in free agency if the opportunities present themselves. Then you go into the draft looking at specific players, looking at specific positions if they happen to end up where you're selecting uh, at 16 or if you move up or move down. You know, Washington showed uh, the ability to do that uh, last year. So you have to take that into account and whether – uh, you know, players, and there's going to be corners. I think corners going to be the one position where they're picking. If they stay at 16, I think there's going to be opportunity to really look at a group of three or four guys there as guys that can play, guys that can step in and play for you in the NFL right away. If you had to put a Joey Porter Jr. on the field tomorrow to play a game, you could do that. Okay? You could do that. And... That is that that is a position that, as we know, outside of pass rusher on defense, maybe the next most critical in this game. You got to you got to cover these amazing wide receivers that are all over this football game now. I mean, the the skill at the wide receiver spot, as I've said to you all over the couple of years of this show and on Twitter, seven on seven football at the prep level has changed the wide receiver position forever in this league because we have more kids catching more balls, running more routes than ever before, before they even get to college. The wide receiver playing college now has never been better because the kids are putting in the time. Seven-on-seven in football is like AAU and grassroots basketball. Okay, They're doing that. The quarterbacks are throwing more passes. The receivers are running more routes. The DBs are covering more receivers. So those matchups and those positions have never been better, never been more prepared, 
at the college and or pro level because of all the reps they're getting at those positions. So I can see where those spots are going to be very enticing. In fact, you see a lot of people, and I think what you're going to, what you need to do through the years is you're doing this. If you're a newer football fan or whatever, you get on the Internet, you look at all these different mock drafts. And as we go through the process, you know, we'll share with you who we think through the years have given you, you know, I think the more consistent hits as opposed to misses in terms of players, in terms of mock drafts. Because I don't want you burying yourself looking at nine or ten mock drafts and going, boy, they mocked this guy to Washington. He didn't go until the fourth round. Okay? They mocked this guy. They mocked this position. Oh, that guy, you know, that guy didn't go, you know, until pick 82. Okay? Because I think you get some of that. I mean, there's a there's a, a, a draft group, and I, I'm, I'm not into the disparaging of anybody. I'm not here to kill anybody in terms of this process. But I was looking at one the other day, updated list, 1st of February, and it's the first one I've seen that does not have John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota in the first three rounds. And I, I, I literally fought the urge to tweet or email them and say, is this a mistake? Are you serious about this? Because everybody has him mid-first to very early second along the offensive line. And, again, he's my one guy this year. He's my guy, okay, that I think hits for whatever team picks him. You know, is he Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa last year? At first, probably maybe not, but he presents positional versatility for you at center or guard, and he starts for you right away, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I love the physicality of the run game that P.J. Fleck had at Minnesota. And Schmitz was the huge part of this where, you know, uh, Ibrahim, the running back, who's from the Baltimore area, played up there near Woodlawn and played for uh, Hamilton in eighth grade football up there. That young man was an unbelievable running back from Minnesota. He pretty much was the offense. And why was he the offense on the ground? Because John Michael Schmitz was establishing that physicality at the line of scrimmage. That guy is a guy that comes into your camp day one He wants to set the tone on the offensive line for you. I want football players like that. If we are indeed a run-first team, even if it's more 55-45 next year as opposed to 60-40, I want a guy like John Michael Schmitz establishing that physicality and that attitude at the line of scrimmage. More of your calls on this next, 301-230-0980. Are we overvaluing a position? Are we overvaluing a player? Is there a player that maybe we think is, uh, in your mind, that's not as good as we maybe think they are, and you have to look at position, you know, positional replacement there going into free agency and or the draft. Final hour of this Wednesday show is next, 301-230-0980. That's how you talk to me right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. 
The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.